We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. Oh. See? It's soft. Smooth ends. No flyaways. Shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E Secret Weapon. Only from John Frieda. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always by Benny Ricciardi as we update you on all the latest ownership percentages following Thursday night's DFS action and cover all the latest practice reports and injury news for NFL Week 5. You can find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at Rotocurve, Rotowire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Daily Slant DFS show and writing at ProFootballFocus.com. Benny, what's going on? Are you DJing there in the background? No, I'm uh, <coughs> a little under the weather, to be honest with you. So, trying to uh, trying to get through today, to be honest. All right. Well, we appreciate you um, playing on today, despite being questionable. <laughs> so, um, well, we we appreciate you soldiering on yeah, it. Yeah, I I think I'm a little more day to day at this point. We'll okay. <laughs> we, uh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? All right, uh, so we're going to get into the latest uh, practice report and injury news, and we'll sort of tie some of these in with the ownership percentage as we go. And then once we get through all the injury news for Week 5, we'll uh, dive uh, fully into uh, the top GPP and cash game options uh, tied into the ownership percentages that we know uh, for NFL um, action this weekend. So Carlos Williams is officially ruled out for Week 5 against the Titans. Uh, Anthony Dixon has popped up with a little bit of a cash, uh, um, sorry, calf injury here, Benny. And uh, Boom Heron, look, there's rumors from uh, Buffalo Bills beat writers that he may be uh, the back who leads the team in touches uh, for this weekend against the Titans. What's your, what's your take here now that Williams has been ruled out and we know that McCoy isn't playing? Are you getting involved with uh, Booby Dixon here or um, maybe Boom Heron or neither? 
I mean, I wanted to just put Booby Dixon in. I mean, both of these guys are basically min price on, I mean, just about whatever site you're playing on at this point. It doesn't really make a difference. My biggest problem now is, you know, like you said, with the news that, you know, Dixon might be a little bit banged up now. I mean, how, how do we, you know, how do we really know how the carries are going to go at this point? I mean, I think that if you knew that Dixon was going to play and see the lion's share of the carries, then he would be a good start. If you knew that he was so banged up that Boom Heron was going to see the lion's share of the carries, I think he would be a good start, mostly because they're just so cheap and they're going to see the volume. I mean, honestly, right now, I, I just don't know which way to go with this because there's just too much going on. You know that Williams and McCoy are out, so there's going to be a whole bunch of carries there. But and I'm going to basically just be sitting here until Sunday hoping to get a little more clarity on, you know, if those carries are going to be going to Booby Dixon or to Boom Heron. And whichever one I think is going to get the most of the carries is probably the guy I'm going to wind up using just because with the price being so good, I think you almost kind of have to. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about that situation there as well. Um, there's some definite opportunity if if we can see it uh, coming out clear one way or the other. But if it's foggy, I think I'm going to just maybe go in with, with a complete fade in that aspect. Uh, I don't want to get uh, stuck with a you know eight-point performance even mm-hmm. at a punt uh, play price. So there's some other running backs that we that we're going to break down and talk about that you know you you don't have to pay too much more for it. You're still getting good value that have home run hitter upside, and we don't know that Booby Dixon really has home run hitter upside. He probably has goal line uh, carry upside, uh, but that's maybe not necessarily enough for me to feel great about him in my cash game and GPP lineups there. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't see either one of these guys pulling at Devontae Freeman and getting you a 40 point game. Right. Um, it's basically just a matter of volume and at a price that's so cheap, if they're getting the volume and we know one of them is getting the volume, they should be able to put up a solid enough game to return value for you. But I don't see it as like a huge upside kind of chance for either one of them, really. Yeah, I totally agree with that there. Uh, speaking of running backs, we got to talk about Marshawn Lynch. is coming in limited uh, into Thursday's practice, setting into um, Friday. Thomas Rawls still on the radar, but it's a tough matchup going West Coast to East Coast in Cincinnati. Uh, are you interested in either side of this if Lynch gets a start and if uh, Lynch gets benched for Rawls for Week 5? I, I don't think I'm going to be using any of the Seattle running game in this situation. Uh, basically, I was very unimpressed with Rawls last week in the opportunity that he had. Um, the thing that would make it a little bit better for me is if I knew that Marshawn was definitely not going to play because I'm pretty sure Fred Jackson has been ruled out already too. So you have to think that that would give Rawls even more carries than he had last week. Last week, uh, Fred Jackson was in there quite a bit in the first half. So until he went down with injury, we really didn't see the lion's share of the work going to Rawls like we thought it would. Um, his price is still pretty cheap on most of the sites, but again... You know, I don't love the matchup with them being on the road. They're underdogs in this game. Um, I get Seattle's a running team, so I don't think they're going to abandon the run completely. But I also don't think I, I have enough faith in Rawls to, uh, you know, to roll him out in a situation where the game script might kind of get away from him. I definitely agree with you there as well. So something that I'm probably just going to uh, go with an altogether fade there. I just don't have enough mm-hmm. Uh, faith in the production level that could possibly come out for, for Seattle with that terrible offensive line 
And, um, you know, the way Russ Wilson's been just running for him his life, you just see, you just see that even, you know, Lynch, even if he was 100%, you wouldn't feel like he would be producing at a 2014 level. No, that line is bad, man. They are they were bad the other night. They are bad. Uh, Sammy Watkins coming up as uh, questionable in Week 5 against the Titans. So um, I, I think that helps the overall prospects. If you end up running one of those running backs in there, if you feel confident about that, you can take the top off the defense. So there's potential feather in your cap, but probably not enough for me to still get interested in that situation. For the uh, Washington Redskins, Jordan Reed has been ruled out for Week 5, which is um, tough news. Uh, along with uh, Deshaun Jackson, who's also been ruled out for, for Week 5. Jordan Weed with a concussion, uh, Deshaun Jackson with a hamstring. What this means for me is that uh, we have some secondary options, and uh, you know Pierre Garçon, uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, potential cheapy options here at the wide receiver position. Are you interested in either of those guys? Um, Crowder is a little bit interesting to me, mostly on DraftKings where he's really cheap because I do think he's going to see a, a decent amount of targets. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, again, not like overly interesting. I think that Washington is going to try to keep the ball on the ground and run it as much as they can. Um, even, you know, who else is a decent option too? Uh, I forget his name right now. Thompson, the, the third down running Chris back Tom- they have. Chris Thompson, yes. Yeah, Thompson, you know, he made a lot of catches. So on a, on a site like DraftKings, full PPR, he could be somebody interesting too. I mean, they're running out of guys that, are, that can catch passes. So you got to kind of think that some of these cheap options are – you know, worth at least a flyer because they're going to see, you know, they're going to see some targets. I also expect Washington to be trailing in this game. Um, so I do think that they're going to have to pass. So Crowder is probably the guy who I like the most of all of them. Um, but again, it's not like something that I'm going to be rushing to have in 100% of my rosters. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, and just a couple other uh, news and notes. Crocker Gilmore has been, um, uh, continues to be sideline Friday, so it looks like it's going to be Max Williams and Nick Boyle. This is just more pressure on Kamar Aiken and Justin Forsett. Uh, but you're also facing a banged-up defense with uh, Joe Hayden, who's been limited. So for all those who want uh, some shares of Kamar Aiken or Justin Forsett, uh, there's some potential... Um, Good news for you, them playing at home. I, I, I'm interested in Justin Forsett somewhat, not a ton. The Browns' defense has just been absolutely horrid, so you can make a case for either guy in their lineups and GPPs, but not cash games for me necessarily. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Bulaga coming back for the Green Bay Packers uh, at tackle, so that should help out the running game with Eddie Lacy, who's sort of been off to a slow start, and for protection matters against... Uh, Aaron Rodgers, that's uh, Seattle front. I'm sorry, uh, St. Louis front four, which it, um, has had a good amount of success uh, rushing the passer. And then last couple pieces of notes here. Eric Ebron's been running off to the side, but it doesn't look like he's going to play this week. So that's going to put um, uh, t- Tim Wright in the mix there, along with Brandon Pettigrew, if he can get off the the, the, the injury list and the bench. And uh, Joyke Bell has been uh, sidelined as well. So it looks like this is a, a full shot for Amir Abdullah to get in there and get the line share of the carries along with Zach Zenner. And last piece of news here, Julius Thomas listed as questionable, but uh, not expected to play according to uh, beat writer reports for the Jaguars this Sunday. So that covers all the latest uh, injury news. And we'll keep an eye on this uh, through the next uh, you know part of the show as we go. So if anything comes off the, comes through on the wire uh, last minute, but let's go ahead and start this, the uh, quarterback position here. In uh, this Thursday FanDuel tournament, uh, we've got uh, week five ownership percentages here. Uh, 21% on on uh, Tom Brady. Is it interesting to you that Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan have a higher ownership percentage uh, than Aaron Rodgers for week five? 
Not really, and it kind of goes back to something that we talked about, and one of the reasons why I like using this ownership percentage stuff is that sometimes somebody in a certain price range will take the lion's share of the you know, interest, and it'll leave another guy in that same price range lower owned. And to me, that's exactly what happened here. If you're spending up on a quarterback this week, your options are really Brady or Rodgers. And with Brady taking so much of the money for the people that are able to spend up or that want to spend up on quarterback, you know, you're going to get Rodgers at a, at a much lower ownership. I mean, basically you have Rodgers at a little below 7% in the tournament we're looking at, and Brady is a little bit above 21% in the tournament. So you're getting, you know, Rodgers at one-third the ownership of Brady, basically an implied odds of 14-1 to 1 for him to be the top quarterback versus less than 5-1 to 1 on Brady. You know, I think that's a pretty good situation. I think looking at Rodgers this week in tournaments is, uh, you know, definitely a good way to go. And remember, like we always say, you know, these ownership percentages are something that you want to look at for tournaments. You don't really want to use them in your cash games, you know, Brady is probably still the most likely guy to have a huge game this week. But at 21% ownership versus 7 for Rodgers, you know, there's definitely a case to be made for using Aaron Rodgers instead this week. Yeah. And then, you know, Rivers and Ryan are 8,300 and 7,500. So to me, they're in kind of like two different pricing tiers. You know, Ryan's in the middle tier at 83. Um, Rivers is in the bottom tier at 75. So it doesn't shock me at all that those two are a little bit higher owned than uh, Rogers is, because when you have people in that range to spend money, you know those are two of the guys that are, you know, big names that you can get drawn to. So that that kind of makes perfect sense to me the way that worked out, to be honest. I think that makes a, a bunch of sense there, just given the matchups that you're that you're taking a look at. St. Louis is getting a credit for uh, being a higher grade defense than. Um, you know, uh, San Diego, who's facing Pittsburgh, and uh, for Matt Ryan, who has a super juicy matchup at home against the, the Redskins. So, uh, something to consider that. Now, now, if we take a look at this second tier list, and let's just pretend like we're going to exclude Aaron Rodgers as a top tier option, even though he's only 6.8% owned, that makes a ton of sense for GPPs. Probably goes without saying, so we can just leave the analysis there. You, you, you're okay with that? Yeah, no, I mean, to me, he is the. If you're looking for a guy who's probably the most under-owned, it would be Aaron Rodgers would be the one, the first one to stick out on the list. But yes, let's go down from from yeah. there because he would be the easy standout that everybody would see there. Sure. Anybody who's you know putting together multiple GPP lineups like uh, you are and I are and a lot of listeners out there are going to have a, a Ryan and a Rodgers hookup. So that just goes without saying. Let's go mm. get digger into the, the, the lower second-tier options and see who else makes sense based on the ownership percentages. Uh, not just for the quarterbacks too, but with the wide receivers that we'll be pairing them with, and see if we can come up with a you know a good um, hookup matchup um, based on those two factors there. So who stands out to you in in that respect? Um, well, I'm gonna go two guys that I'm gonna throw out there first. One guy um, who I would use kind of by himself is gonna be Drew Brees. Um, I don't know why people really are just overlooking Drew Brees this year. He's only 2% owned in this tournament. Um, I actually like him a little more than I like Matt Ryan, who's about 7 or 8% owned here. I mean, if you look at his game logs, Brees is a guy who's throwing the ball over 40 times a game, like he always has. So he's got a really good chance to rack up 300 yards, get you that bonus. And he's also got a good chance to pick up a couple touchdown passes through the air. Now, I don't think you really need to use him with any of his receivers, <clears throat> because he's somebody that spreads it around so much that, you know, you could get uh, 
five or six catches from everybody without anybody having a huge game. Um, you know, a touchdown from Brandon Coleman, maybe a touchdown from uh, Brent, um, Cooks. You know, you could get a Marcus Colston touchdown somewhere in there. So I don't think you really need to pick one receiver because there's no one receiver who gets a huge amount of market share. Um, for a tournament, something I think you can do that a lot of people don't do that will help differentiate your rosters, maybe take him with a guy like Mark Ingram who's been catching a ton of passes out of the backfield and has some upside as well. Um, but a guy, a, a stack like you were saying, who I think is going pretty low owned, that could be a good hookup for you, um, is Eli Manning and Odell Beckham this week. That San Francisco secondary is not very good. They are at home. And you got Manning at only 6% and Odell Beckham at about 11%. Neither one of those are incredibly highly owned. So if they hook up and have a big game, you know, having those two together could give you a big upside. And we have seen before that, you know, Beckham can get the lion's share of you know, the targets when uh, when that Giants team plays. Um, so far this year, teams have been doing a good job of kind of taking him away, and the, the ball's kind of been going to, like, Randall and some other guys in that offense. But I'm not a big fan of that uh, San Francisco pass defense, so I think Eli could put up a pretty good game against them. So that would be one that kind of stands out to me. All right, I like that play there as well. We know how bad San Francisco's been. Another um, West Coast, East Coast narrative there, so... I'm I'm fine with Ruin Randall in some lineups. I'm fine with Odell Beckham Jr. Even want to take a shot at Larry Donnell. Uh, I don't know if I feel as good about Rashad Jennings, but he did, you know, make a big splash play and uh, took it to the house in, in Week Four. So all those are are, are smart options uh, for me as well. Um, Blake Bortles. I talked about with uh, Renee Miller on the Tuesday show. 6900 on on Fanduel. I like him for the fact that he um, has a great matchup with Allen Robinson, who. Um, is 10% owned, so people are in there, but it's not so, so um, you know, the ownership isn't percentage so high that you have to be like, oh, I need to fade that for GPPs. Still makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense, and he's 6,300, the wide receiver position on FanDuel. So um, you, you can pair those guys, but what you can also do is if you build in enough um, running back value, like you say you want to go with Amir Abdullah, for example, at 6,100, or if you went all the way down, to you know, let's say you felt like you wanted to play Antonio Andrews uh, for 5,600, that you could pair Blake Bortles, and you don't necessarily have to create the hookup for GPPs. You can go all the way to the top, to the uh, Julian Edelman's and the Julio Jones at 9,200 and the Odell Beckham Juniors, and roll some big-time studs while going uh, with a cheap-level quarterback there as well. Uh, the other thing I will say, too, I'm not going to fault anybody who plays Joe Flacco against Cleveland because it's been absolutely so bad. But uh, for, at 7,700, I would much prefer to uh, go down the line to uh, a uh, Tyrod Taylor or a Blake Bortles there for, you know, Blake Bortles at 6,900, Tyrod Taylor at 7,500 uh, for, for pure uh, upside. I just don't feel like Joe Flacco has as much upside with the complete lack of options that he has. But I won't be surprised if he, you know, goes for 250 and three scores against Cleveland because Cleveland can't stop anybody right now. Um, any home run plays on this list uh, down there at the bottom that, uh, you know, just like maybe based on ownership percentage you may not have been interested in, but you might be a little more interested in now? Um, I got to be honest, not <clears throat> not really this week. Like the guys that are really low owned mm-hmm. are guys that I kind of feel like should be really low owned. Like I don't have a lot of faith in Nick Foles having a big game. Don't have a lot of faith in uh, Colin Kaepernick having a big game. I don't see Stafford having a big game here. Uh, Russell Wilson is always someone who's interesting to me. He's under 1% in this tournament. 
Um, and I do think that there's a chance they could be trailing, which to me would say no running game and, you know, Wilson having to pass. And what people don't realize is he actually picks up most of his rushing yards and has his big overall games and games where they could be trailing because a lot of those rushing yards come when he drops back to pass and he gets chased out of the pocket and he just goes and picks up five or six yards, then runs out of bounds. But he does that more often in a game where they're trailing and they're, and they're you know, coming from behind. And those yards add up. You know, if he escapes the pocket two or three times on the drive and gets five or six yards on each one, and he does that for, you know, three or four drives in the second half, he winds up with 60 or 70 rushing yards. And he didn't have, like, a big 40 or 50-yard run. It's just a whole bunch of little 7, 8, 10, 12-yard runs. And then you add that to the fact that he's throwing because they're behind. And those are the kind of games where you see Russell Wilson be one of the top-scoring quarterbacks on the week. So... I do like him, actually, probably most of all these guys that are low-owned, um, with him being less than 1%. Yeah, I like that uh, play there as well. Russell Wilson, don't forget, finished the season as a top-five fantasy quarterback. I think he finished third overall um, among fantasy points. For, for me, I'm, I'm going to um, take a look at this list here, and based on the price... At 7K, I think um, is a little bit more appealing, and he's once we get down the, down under the one percent range uh, on Fanduel, it's it really doesn't matter if either one of these hook uh, hookups hit, you're gonna vault to the top of the standings because they're so low owned um, mm-hmm. in in the spot. But just one thing I want to quickly mention, I would have never have thought of this on my own, but the Fantasy Labs optimizer on Pro Football Focus has Matthew Stafford as the number four projected quarterback uh, for this week. And um, if you take a look at the, uh, the the pricing on DraftKings, by the way, uh, 5400 so significant significant cost savings uh, at the quarterback position if you decide to go there. And I would absolutely go with the with the uh, Calvin Johnson um, pairing uh, as the hookup, though. But there's an article you can also read on on ProFootballFocus.com um, that's called Calvin Johnson is still elite. So, and you know, it looks does, doesn't look as pretty as it as it could have last week because he fumbled, you know, at the one like we've talked about over and over. Yeah. Um, but still should be trusted uh, like a top-level wide-receiving option, although the matchup isn't as good necessarily as you want it to be against Patrick Peterson, who's been a lockdown guy. Um, mm. But all the more reason to you know do go that route and say, all right, that's a contrarian, contrarian play right there, that if it hits, no one else is, is, is uh, definitely on there. You should, if your rest of your lineup stacks up well with that spot, you should be in very good position for a big payday. So. Yeah. And, he's, and he's only 3%. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, along with the, the 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 wide receiver and the quarterback being you know under one percent, then you have uh, Calvin Johnson, who people so many people are off. Everybody's thinking Julio, Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, and Demarius Thomas, and you don't hear anybody talking about Calvin Johnson anymore. So something to keep in mind for your GPPs. All right, let's talk about the running back position here. No surprise that everybody jumped on the Devontae Freeman train. I'm actually uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that he's a little bit higher owned than Le'Veon Bell because um, Le'Veon Bell's uh, you know the top price running back. Well, actually, he's a number two price running back behind Jamal Charles. I think he should be one. But uh, two biggest ownership percentages there for Devontae Freeman: 31.5 percent. Le'Veon Bell: 28.8. Uh, your thoughts on the top tier options and how you're treating that for um, let's talk about for ca- cash game uh, strategy with these guys. Mm-hmm. Are you okay still with rolling Devontae Freeman and or Le'Veon Bell, given those ownership percentages? Le'Veon Bell, yes. In cash, absolutely no problem. <clears throat> now, you know, I've been a big Devonta Freeman guy the last two weeks. I've been 
you know, I, he was a guy that I listed when we talked about our running backs. He's a guy that I talked about how his ownership percentage was shocking to me. Well, his ownership percentage in this one is shocking to me in the other direction. I don't like him for tournaments at 31%, and I don't even think I like him for cash games this week. Washington hasn't allowed a running back to rush for over 85 yards all season. And they're a team that is usually a team over the course of the last season and a half that you'd rather attack through the air. So I'm expecting this to be a bigger game for guys like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones than I am for Devonta Freeman. Um, I'm not worried about Tevin Coleman coming back. You know, I know some people are talking about it. Freeman has earned the, the, the number one running back spot for that team right now, and that's where he is. So that's not much of a concern for me. I just think that the game flow is going to require Atlanta to pass a little bit more. And, I mean, honestly, I don't expect Freeman to end the season with 50 touchdowns. He's not going to get three every game for the rest of the season. And I think people need to kind of just take a little step back a little bit and pump the brakes on him. Yeah, I, I could see people who – I could see the case for people who still want to ride the train because it's a juicy matchup and the price hasn't got up to crazy levels or, or hasn't risen dramatically. And I can see the case for people who are be like – you know, I'm I'm jumping off the the, the train here at, at 30% because, you know, uh, you you have significantly less edge in cash games, uh, and and in in GPPs and using him and, and and profiting from that aspect there. The other interesting um, thing here is that uh, you Jamal Charles gets chunked into the second tier at half the ownership percentage of Le'Veon Bell. And we talked about how. We thought it was a battle for one-two. Does that change your opinion at all for cash games or GPPs now that you see that he's got half the ownership percentage of those top two guys? Well, like I said, I mean, even for cash, I kind of liked him a little bit more this week. Yes. But now seeing that he's half as highly owned as Le'Veon Bell is, it definitely makes me want to be overweight him in my tournament rosters and probably underweight Bell. Um, you know, I would probably, looking at these numbers, if I was putting, you know, my lineups together... I would probably want to try to switch them if I was somebody who was, you know, multi-entering the tournament. If if Bell was going to probably be about 30% and Charles was going to be about 15, I would rather be heavier Charles, have Charles closer to 30% and Bell closer to 15 in my tournament rosters. Um, because, like I said, they're, they're both very close to me, so I don't think I would completely fade Le'Veon Bell, but I would get... You're, you're basically getting more bang for your buck out of a big game from Charles, so I would probably tilt my rosters to give me a little more Charles and a little more chance for an upside that way. All right. I think that makes a bunch of sense there. Uh, the, the way that I am going to approach this here is um, I, I still think I need to have a, t- a ton of shares of Le'Veon Bell for um, my, my cash game action at, at, at 30%. Um, but I think I'm just going to go with a basically across the board fade in, in all GPPs. Yeah. And you know, sort of do what you did and, and shift some of the action to Jamal Charles, and even step down further. And I'll, and I'll exclude both of those players because once you get down into um, beyond the three, four, five guys, which we're talking, or four, five, six, and Justin Forsett, Todd Gurley, and, and Deion Lewis, there's some serious opportunity for even a guy like Matt Forte, who mm-hmm. is fairly expensive but also only 4.1% owned. Um, you know, he's a guy that we've known, that can any given week can be the you know top leading rusher or top producing running back option uh, on FanDuel or DraftKings or any DFS site for that matter. So there's some other interesting options uh, at various price ranges beyond the, the top six 
who are some of those that you could may, maybe potentially spotlight um, for uh, cash game or GPPs? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the guys that we talked about earlier in the week, um, you got Eddie Lacy at only 7%. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about TJ Yeldon this week at 6%. I'm not as huge on him, but I can I understand the case. I can see where they're coming from. Um, a guy that I talked about the other day and Doug Martin, uh, you know, favored at home, should get the line share to carries, 3%. Um, Mark Ingram, who, if you look at his numbers, has been seeing a ton of touches in every game this year. He's at 3% or less. Uh, let's see, who else do we have down here? Um, Amir Abdullah, who we talked about, you know, again, without Joyke Bell in there this week, you know, he's a little bit uh, $200 cheaper than Todd Gurley, or actually $600 cheaper than Todd Gurley on uh, on FanDuel. It's only a couple hundred bucks on DraftKings. I think it's about 200 He's going off at much lower ownership percentages at only 1%, and he's not facing Seattle's defense this week. So we get a chance to see him get probably 12 to 18 touches against a, you know, defense that he should be able to do a little bit of damage against. So that's a pretty interesting one for me as well. And then, um, you know, if you're playing on DraftKings, I, I do like a guy like Duke Johnson because he's been catching a lot of passes. Uh, he's definitely somebody to look at. Um, you got Jeremy Hill favored at home at less than 1% here. So to me, that's an interesting one too. He's not that expensive at 6800 Yes, they play a tough defense, but if you remember the last time, last week when they were favored at home, who had the big game? He wound up with three touchdowns, I think. They're going back to him. If you think that they're going to have a lead, it's going to be kind of a run-heavy game. You know, he seems uh, an interesting guy to look at here at a really cheap price. So he's another guy that I'd look at. That's um, probably the list of the guys that I see just based off the ownership percentages and their prices. All right, uh, fair enough. I think we've covered the, the lion's share of potential options that you can do uh, here with uh, running backs for um, wide receivers. I'm sorry, running backs for GPPs and cash games. Now let's dig into the wide receiver options here. Um, what's your cash game strategy coming into week five, knowing what you know now? Um, I Like I said, I, I'm a big fan of Julio this week, so I'm going to have a lot of him. I think the guys who are some of the best plays are the guys that are highly owned this week. Everybody kind of has them. Uh, Julian Edelman at 26%, um, Larry Fitzgerald at 21%, and the guy that we talked about the other day. Uh, Jeremy Macklin surprised me a little bit at 17%. I kind of thought he was going to be a little more on the contrarian side. Um, so he was definitely somebody I had in, in a lot of my Thursday GPP rosters thinking I was going to get a much lower own. So I'll probably have less of him coming into the weekend. Uh, Keenan Allen at 12.5%. He's a guy that we talked about, you know, another guy in a good spot. Uh, Allen Robinson, Travis Benjamin, about 10% each. Um, you know, those are pretty much a lot of the guys who we talked about and whose names you've been seeing this week. So they were all pretty highly used, which tells me that people are, are using a lot of cheap running backs this week. You know, I, I feel like there's got to be some way that you're fitting in all these, uh, you know, big wide receivers. I think the the other thing it tells me too is I think people are kind of staying away from those top price wide receivers. I think you're seeing lower ownership on like a Julio Odell and Antonio Brown than we normally do, and you're seeing a lot more people go with that seven like two or three of those guys in that seven thousand dollar range at wide receiver, which does allow you a little bit of more money to spend in other spots. All right, I I, I could see yeah I could see a lot of that happening. See that people are are a little bit more in this week on. Like Allen Robinson at 6,300 on FanDuel and Keenan mm -hmm. Allen at 7,700. 
you know, uh, Fitz and Elliman you mentioned, also um, Kamar Aiken, 5.1% owned here. Now, let's, um, and then, uh, you know, we already mentioned Calvin Johnson at 3.2%. Now, let's talk about some, some of these nobody wants these guys, all right? Some people from the nobody wants these guys department, and that can make sense for you in some of your GPP lineups. Well, we have, you know, here's the list of guys that have kind of gone, like, under their own that are studs. You got A.J. Green at only 4%. You got Randall Cobb at 4%. You got Demarius Thomas at about 4%. You got Calvin Johnson and Mike Evans at 3%. Amari Cooper at 3%. Um, you know, of all those guys who we just mentioned, the guy who I think is interesting is Mike Evans. And I know that some people are a little bit off of him because he hasn't had a very good year. He's 7500 which is pretty cheap. And he's 3% owned. And last week he did not have a good game. But the game before that, he saw 17 targets. And I do kind of expect Jacksonville to be winning this game and Tampa Bay to have to come from behind. So I think that we're going to get a chance to see Mike Evans have a better game than he's had all season with the exception of maybe that 17-target uh, game. So he's somebody that kind of stands out to me at the bottom side. Um, I agree. I don't love the matchup for A.J. Green. But again, Green, Cobb, Thomas, Calvin Johnson, all these guys have the upside where they could have a big game and catch a couple touchdowns or get 100 yards. So if you like one of them at the low ownership rates that they're at, it makes perfect sense to use them along with some of the chalk guys and make that like your one big swerve in uh, you know, tournament play. All right, so uh, the way I'm looking at this here is um, you, you've got some serious opportunity um, at, at a couple different spots that in, in, in my department about guys that nobody's talking about. All right, um, Anquan Bolden, um, you know, everybody personally hates, and I understand exactly why. He's been um, less than productive, and Colin Kaepernick stinks. But he's also the guy that, you know, the, that's still getting the line share of the targets there. So at 0.6% owned, you could do much worse. We talked about Jamison Crowder at 0.8% owned. The other guy I want to really quickly mention, too, is uh, from a tight end perspective, and I know we're not, we're not there yet, but we might as well just say it because we're heading there. Martellus Bennett is just basically a must-play. For, for me across the board if you're not using Rob Gronkowski, even more so than Antonio Gates in my mind because now you have Alshon Jeffrey who's likely to miss again and Eddie Royal banged up so that means they're going to be down to uh, Marcus Wilson and company who I think Marcus Wilson by the way makes some sense for you you should probably take a look at him um, in your in your lineups and I'm going to guess that he's like minimum salary here um, on FanDuel and I'm checking... Marcus Wilson, well, actually forty eight hundred, so close. Um, and there, I mean, uh, right now he's projected to, I think, have the worst matchup of the two on according to Pro Football Focus, and at the uh, at the cornerback spot. But he could end up getting moved over uh, to um, Marcus Peters, would it would uh, instead of Sean Smith, would which definitely improve his matchup. But either way, so cheap. Um, you know, uh, on Fanduel and DraftKings that you know, and you know that the the uh, Bears are going to have to throw. So I think that I'm going to probably have a share or two if I'm looking to sort of fill out my last wide receiver spot with a, with a cheapie in that aspect because there's a good chance that you know, even if Eddie Royal plays, Alshon Jeffrey definitely doesn't play and uh, could be a lot of target volume there. So um, since we mentioned uh, Martell Spinnett and the tight end position here, uh, how are you approaching all, all this with the ownership percentages for week five? Yeah, I mean, you got Rob Gronkowski's at 23.6%. So 
not really a shock. In cash games, if you can fit Gronk in, I think you play him because he has, you know, I mean, we mention it every week, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. He's got the safest floor. He has the safest ceiling, um, the highest ceiling and the safest floor. So if you can get both of those together in a guy and you can fit him in your roster, I definitely think that's something to do for your cash games. Um, for your GPP action, if you're trying to fit in some of these big receivers, though, I'm not as thrilled with Antonio Gates as I think other people are. 13% to me seems kind of high for a guy who hasn't seen a snap yet this year. I do still think Ladarius Green is going to see some stuff. He's actually played pretty well. So I can't imagine that they're going to throw Gates in there and give him 20 targets in his first game out. So I don't think I love him as much as others do. I do like your call on Bennett. Um, I still like Charles Clay as well, who's 8%. Owen Daniels is the you know darling, cheap guy of the week that everyone's talking about. Uh, goes up against that Oakland defense that's been absolutely horrible to tight ends. Um, you know, four straight weeks they've given up big games to tight ends. Tyler Eifert's week one, uh, Crockett Gilmore, Gary Barnage. Um, last week, Martellus Bennett. So, I mean, guys have just been absolutely lighting them up. So, I I would have thought Daniels would have been a little bit higher owned than even he was. But uh, as for the cheaper guys, some of the guys I like, I do like Delaney Walker a lot this week. He had uh, 10 targets in week three, caught seven of them. Week two, he was injured. Week one, he came out of the game early after scoring a touchdown and making some catches. So he's definitely a decent part of this offense, and he seems to be going overlooked here. And his price is pretty cheap, so Delaney Walker on the downside. Also, Jimmy Graham at only 2% is pretty interesting to me, especially if you think Seattle's going to be down in that game and um, having to pass the ball. At only 2%, I think I might even look to take a flyer on him in a tournament, uh, whether I use Russell Wilson on that same roster or not. I do think that him and Russell together would be a pretty decent option and very low owned. Yeah, I think that makes uh, a ton of sense there. And, you know, with Jimmy Graham, there's always that number one wide receiver upside, and he's getting a a significant cost savings from the 8400 that you would have to spend on uh, Rob Gronkowski there. Some other options that I think that um, that I would be potentially interested in, Tyler Eifert at 5,600, Jason Witten at 5,700. Uh, and if you need to slide all the way down the line and you actually have to take a, a home run shot, I, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to Heath Miller at 5,500, but I probably would rather t- go for Gary Barnage for upside at um, uh, 5,400 at 2.2% owned. But having said that, I think the majority of my cash game and GPP lineup action is going to lie in the Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, Charles Clay, Winton Kelsey range. I don't mind Antonio Gates either, but I also have a little bit concerned about his snap count coming off of, uh, you know, a m- missing the entire preseason and the first four weeks, four weeks of the season uh, with a suspension. All right, so that's the tie-down breakdown here. Now we're gonna qu- I'm, what I'm going to quickly do is we'll do what we did last week. We'll just stick with that theme, Benny, with in, t- in terms of kickers and just reading off the top percentage own guys and then mm. um, let the people do what they will with it. Um, Cairo Santos is the highest owned kicker uh, because they're, yeah, he's at home in Chicago, 15.7%. Goskowski, 13.7%. Josh Lambeau, 83 Justin Tucker, 76 Josh Brown, 66 McManus, 62 and, and Matt Bryant at 62 And everybody else below that is 44 A couple other uh, cheap options that you may be interested is Dan Bailey at 5K and Caleb Sturges at, at 5100 are, are some of those uh, – uh, kickers that we have highlighted on this list. Now let's move over to defense here. The chalk play is the Denver Broncos. Uh, even though they're on the road, 
uh, 20% uh, ownership percentage here. Does that surprise you at all? Do you think that's right? And uh, what's going to be your approach based on what we know here? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me. I actually have them as likely my favorite defense this week, too. Um, I do think it's a little high-owned for me to like them in tournaments. It's higher-owned than I would have liked to see. But, I mean, I could still see people rolling them out in cash game, and i probably have them on my cash lineup if I can afford to pay up, too. All right. I I think that uh, the Broncos make a ton of sense. We've talked about this over and over. But I also think for $400 less, the Atlanta Falcons make almost as much sense as um, as them as well, especially we know that the uh, the um, lack of weapons that are going to be out of this lineup now with Jordan Reed, which to me is uh, um, Kirk Cousins' favorite target, and Deshaun Jackson still not returning the lineup. And we saw you know, uh, what happened to Houston getting down big. Um, in that matchup. So uh, I do like the Arizona Cardinals uh, from that respect. Um, taking a look at the uh, projections that we have here at Pro Football Focus in our Fancy Lab Optimizer here, Arizona is one of the uh, top projected options along with Buffalo. Then you have Denver in the mix there. And I also don't want to forget about the New York Giants at 2,900 on DraftKings against San Francisco. So those are the, the, the main uh, defenses that I'll be targeting um, in the mix uh, for for my GPP action here, anybody off the board that you're willing to like, you know, throw the throw the right uh, the uh, dice down the craps table and take a shot on. Well, I do. I mean, I like the Giants too. I want to mention that they're very cheap over on Fanduel as well at only forty three hundred. Um, teams that I would be willing to throw the dice on. Let's see. Uh, I don't hate Kansas City and Cincinnati this week. Um, Again, I mean, if we're talking about throwing the dice a little bit, those would probably be the two teams that I would kind of look at. Uh, that Seattle line was horrible last week, so there's a chance Cincinnati can get some some sacks. But Russ Wilson doesn't turn it over a ton, so I don't really love it. And Kansas City is a big favorite against Chicago, who is going to be missing a lot of their weapons in the passing game. So if Kansas City can get a lead and force Jay Cutler to pass and double-team Martellus Bennett, I don't know who's going to make plays on the other side. So I could see Cutler having one of those, you know, two or three interception games, you know, especially because he has guys who he's not used to working with. So sometimes a guy will read it one way and go long and he'll throw it short and, you know, turns into an easy interception pick six or, you know, the guy will go outside and he'll throw it inside. And, you know, that kind of stuff happens a lot when you got wide receivers who, you know, aren't the guys that work with the quarterback most of the time. I mean, I watched it the other day with the Jets when Eric Decker was out and, uh, you know, Fitz was throwing the ball to a guy expecting him to be in one place and the guy, you know, made a cut to another place. And that's how interceptions and stuff happen. So I could also see that uh, KC defense having a, having a pretty decent game at home against Chicago. All right. That makes a ton of sense uh, for me. I think that uh, uh, I would probably take that, that likely approach there. Uh, as well so that's going to wrap it up uh, for our owners percentages there and I've just checked the uh, latest uh, pieces of news no new no, no options um, or pieces of news that came through the wire uh, thus, that, uh, thus far except for the fact that Tevin Coleman is expected to be active against the Redskins I think that really matters for Devontae Freeman owners because he's performed so well I can't see them just all of a sudden turning into a timeshare but um, 
stranger things have happened. Uh, I want to r- remind you that you can subscribe to the RotoWire DFS podcast that's now available on iTunes and Stitcher. So don't forget to uh, subscribe, download, share, uh, tweet, and leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know that you enjoy the show. Don't forget to check out Benny on Twitter at uh, BennyR11 and send all your comments, complaints, and questions to me at Josh Hayes FS. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.